Hey y'all, this is Mallory Irvin and it's time for all of us to live fully. It's so important in this crazy world of ours that we stay connected, inspired, and motivated to be and do our best. And that's not always easy. I'm here with my guests and friends to share the stories and lessons we've learned to help you live your best life every day and truly begin living fully. Let's make it happen and get started with today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Living Fully podcast and the final episode of the um, mini series that I did to, in honor of the book, uh, the Living Fully book, uh, coming out. So I did some of these episodes before uh, the book came out, and then some of them post. And I know that a story that's really resonated with people that I shared in the book, but also that's resonated with people um, just on social media for a couple of years now is my sister Jade's story. And for a really long time, we've talked about her coming on the podcast and, and sharing her story. And for a year and a half, or however long it's been, it hadn't happened yet. And so as we came into this series, I thought, what a perfect time. And, and Jade said the same thing. She was like, I'm ready to do the podcast now. What a perfect time to share this message. And a little bit more about her journey that she went through losing Blaze, her son that she lost at uh, 34 days old that she carried full term. She's on the other side of it now with her miracle baby, George, who you might hear squeal a few times in this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but I'm really excited to bring this story to you guys because we talk about a lot of bright things on this podcast, but this is life. Things like this happening in, our, in, in life, it, it is a part of life. And I mean, I know Jade can speak to this too. It's a part of life that we never really thought that we would have to endure, especially you. Amen. Yeah. So thank you so much, Jade, for joining us today. Thank you. And hello. I appreciate, hello. <laughs> this is so funny. Uh, I feel very important at this headset. <laughs> she put the headset on and she was like, I feel like I'm flying a plane. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's the same headset. So it, it really is. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just so grateful to be here. And I know, like, kind of like you said, I've been um, wanting to share this story for a while. And the Holy Spirit kind of came over this, this week, and mm-hmm. it's actually the Feast of St. Blaise on Thursday. Did you know Oh, that? it is? It is. Yeah, I just looked at my calendar. No, I didn't realize. But I did not. That's it is um, very the special. perfect week to share this story, and now that we're on the other side of it. So, so yeah. thankful to be here, and I appreciate you letting me come on the show. Of course. <laughs> well, I know that a lot of people have uh, are going to be equally as excited, and it's funny, like, because whenever I have people that I know really well on here, it's like... We've had 10 billion, I probably have more conversations with you in my life than I've had with anyone on the face of the earth. I know, I know. But it's like you put pressure on having to deliver the message to other people in a way, in like this weird way. But it's like, we're just having a a conversation, just like we've had a million conversations about this in our life. I know, but it's just (laughs) such an important one. And there are so many things that I could say about this whole journey and what I've learned from it. And it's just choosing the right things to, to say, because I, I want this to be helpful and I want anyone who's experiencing something like this or infertility and all the things that I've been through in the past five years, I I want it to be helpful. So choosing the right things to say and letting the Holy spirit 
be our God today. Yep. I like the Holy Spirit. Look here, yeah. you can hold my little dove. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I have this little Holy Spirit dove that I keep in here. Mary's also with me. I'll keep oh, Mary on well, my side. You can I have the Holy Lisa Spirit. Mary. Okay, so in case you guys are just listening to this podcast and you just don't know what in the world we're talking about, I'm going to let my sister intro herself and her story just briefly before we get into into it. And so this is Jade Cherwalk. Jade changed mm-hmm. her name like a nice wife. I, I did. I this was uh, before the days of <laughs> no one changing their name anymore. <laughs> and I changed my name to Cherwalk. <laughs> Jade, it's a great name. It's <laughs> a terrible thing to say. I love you, Gaff. Um, yeah, so I'm Jade Cherwalk. And what did you want me to do? You just want me so to So just introduce? intro yourself. So, yeah. um, well, I will say too, like she's my younger sister. So we're 22 months apart. She lives here in Nashville. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just share a little bit about your journey specifically to Blaze. Because I think, too, maybe people haven't experienced loss like you have, but people have certainly experienced and dealt with and know about Mm -hmm. infertility. That's also part of your journey. So and any type of adversity, really. But Mm -hmm. yeah, so um, so I'm Jade. And uh, I am the less bougie sister. <laughs> I'm the poor sister. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, yeah, I'm, oh, I'm a teacher. Lord. I taught, well, actually, I taught for nine years, and now I'm on a little bit of a break. I'm taking some time off just to be with my baby, and um, it's a privilege to be able to stay home for right now and be with him. But anyway, I uh, got married in 2016, and sometime within that year, I think we decided it's time to start trying for a family. And I never thought that infertility would even be a question. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I just, I've always have... just been so regular and I've never, I yeah. just never thought it was something I would have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And so I turned 30 and we started trying for a family. And um, just like that, two years pass and nothing so went to the fertility clinic and um, we did four IUIs, all failed. Mm. And after that, started to gear up for IVF. And um, it was, I think it was the month before I was, because you have to actually take birth control to mm-hmm. um, prepare your body. Yeah, it's very it's, interesting, the process of IVF. Is. You have to do classes, don't you? You do. And I went to the class and um, I was, you know, and I still... I felt so hesitant about it and I won't get into all the details, but I just wasn't, so I was hesitant about it and I just wasn't sure it was supposed to be part of my journey. So anyway, um, the month before we were supposed to try for, uh, you have to like start birth control and I just, I kept asking for a sign and I kept saying, God, if you want, if I'm meant to do this, if I'm meant to go through with this, please send me a sign because I just don't know if it's part of my journey. And it was sometime within that week, uh, my friend Teresa, who I've taught with, called me up and she said, Jade, um, I just got back from Rome and I just feel like I need to tell you something. So I just thought, oh, that's funny. You know, it was the middle of the summer. Mm -hmm. It just didn't feel like, um, you know, a coincidence. So met her for coffee and she told me, Jade, I was standing at the tomb of, I think it was St. Anthony. Um, in Rome, or no, not in Rome, somewhere in Italy. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I saw this vision of you with God and he was just, he was carrying you. And I carried you with me all through my trip. She went to all these different Mm -hmm. tombs and she just felt like 
something was about to happen. She didn't know what, but she felt that God was holding me in his arms. And that was it for me. That was my Mm -hmm. moment. That was the moment where I decided I'm not meant to do this. I'm meant to just stop everything and and just um, maybe try try one more month. Two weeks later, I was pregnant. I know. (laughs) What an amazing trusting of God's sign. Yes. That's yeah, that's quite the I story. did. I, I just knew that that was it. That was what I needed to move forward. And and I knew that IVF was not for me. I think it's for a lot of people, but it just wasn't supposed to be part of my journey. So anyway, ended up getting pregnant and celebrated that, oh my gosh, for 20 weeks. So exciting. Mm-hmm. Going to the 20-week appointment thinking everything's fine because why wouldn't it be? Mm-hmm. And I went in and I'll never forget when the doctor came after the anatomy scan and she said, Jade, there's something we need to talk about. And those are the words I just can never forget because that was the moment I started to mourn because I knew that this was not going to be the healthy pregnancy Mm -hmm. that I thought it was going to be. She said, this baby has a severe heart defect among possibly other genetic Mm -hmm. abnormalities and he may or may not survive, but we are going to set you up with some of the best doctors at MFM and we're going to get you on a plan. And, you know, of course, everything just my whole universe shattered in that moment because it just, um, I just didn't know what to do or say because in that moment, I feel like the vision of my perfect family just kind of died. And, um, I don't know. Sometime I feel like I'm rambling, but sometime after that, I was able to have faith that it was going to be okay. And I uh, started to pray. I started a novena with my girls at work and just prayed and prayed and prayed every day. Anyway, enter Blaze Augustine Sherwalk mm. 20 weeks later. He was born. He was a fighter. He had three surgeries in 34 days and unfortunately did end up passing away. Now, here I am a year later. Mm-hmm. And I have a perfectly healthy baby boy who looks and acts a whole lot like him (laughs) and is perfect in every way. So I feel like I've been given everything that God promised me and that I felt like I always wanted. It just took a really long time, but now I'm just as happy as I could possibly be. And, um, that's kind of my, my story. I don't know you, if I did a good job introducing myself. Yes, you did. Well, gosh, now uh, I've been crying sorry. the whole time that she's been saying it. Sorry. You're for some reason, not for some reason. I mean, there's a ob- very obvious reason, but like as I was writing this whole chapter and like just even as I was like reading the audiobook, I just couldn't, I can never, ever talk about it without crying. Yeah. It's sad. And maybe it's just. Maybe it's also because, like, you experienced it so firsthand. Also, like, Jade didn't mention this part of the story, but it was during freaking the beginning of COVID. Oh, and so comical, right? It is just, it is just bizarre. And like, yes, you just gotta laugh about it because not only are they going through this for thirty-four days, but Jade and Geff could not be there at the same time. So Jade would have to go, and then she'd have to switch. Geff would go. She'd have to switch. Jade would go and just stay there with their baby connected to all these machines and every, and this terrible experience. Like you had to experience by yourself and like, we're a very close family. We would have been there too, but like no one, no one could be there. I know. That is just like a part of the story that just 
makes it even worse and I think helps you also to be able to speak to people who are possibly, which how terrible would that be to endure this alone, but enduring this alone. You right. heard a lot of bad news by yourself. You- yes. Yeah. And, and so did Mary. I think about Mary, the mother of Jesus. I mean, she went through a lot of this stuff alone. Yeah. And uh, so for some reason that I do not understand yet. Um, mm-hmm. I was supposed to experience this really hard thing at this very difficult time in history. And although I don't understand uh, the reason yet, I think I will one day. You know, I think we'll get into that more later in the podcast. Yes, but. we will. I've got I've got questions that, you know, Jade mm-hmm. and I have talked about a lot of these things just as sisters over and over throughout this journey. And I, I pulled some things to the surface because... Jade, luckily, is telling her story of going through a really traumatic, terrible experience and losing this little, you know, miracle baby on the other side of it because she has George now, (laughs) who is downstairs, you know, right now. He's six months old (laughs) and he is the most precious, healthy, beautiful baby. I love him so much. And I think it's, it's easier, certainly, to tell the story on the other side of it. But during it, it was very real. It was very hard. You went through a lot of ups and downs and trying to find your way back to, I mean, I guess living fully like it is like trying to find your way back to like a full life again where you could experience joy and happiness and where you could look to the future and find hope. Yeah. And there are certainly a lot of people that listen to this podcast that have experienced loss whether they have lost a child, there are more people than you would even think like that comment on my pictures all the time that like have lost a child. It's mm-hmm. people are just so strong. They just carry on yeah, they do. or they've experienced a miscarriage, which I know is a different thing, but some people, people experience loss of all things at all different yeah. levels and it affects everyone differently. And you know, I know that from experience having experienced before I even told my family multiple losses because here we had just come off of this terrible, like you think it, nothing can be that bad. So like what I'm going through is not as bad. And I did think that. And I, I also think though that if someone's listening to this and has lost uh, a pregnancy or a marriage or a job, like I think that there are lessons in loss that you gain in the middle of them, especially one like the one that you endured yeah. that are very universal Absolutely. People are very interested in hearing about that and just your story. And it's a way to honor Blaze, too, Mm -hmm. just us sharing these things. So, you know, what advice can you offer in the thick of it? Because a lot of times these things happen in our life and they're very quick. And maybe they like last a week or maybe they last a little bit of time. You had 20 weeks of pregnancy and then 34 days of grueling, terrible in the ICU weren't even able to bring him home ever or outside or even like away from all the things he was attached to. What advice do you have for people who are in the thick of it? Because you were in the thick of it for a long time. I was. um, I feel like I need to say, though, before I give the advice that this is not common. I don't want people that are like newly pregnant or about to go in for their 20 week appointment to be worried. I don't want to incite any fear in anyone because we were like the 1% of the 1%. Mm-hmm. Even people like if there are moms listening to this who have a baby that was diagnosed with CHD, more than likely they're going to survive. Yeah. 
they, those babies are fighters. And, you know, we just happened, even like the doctor told us, you know, he's has a very good prognosis. Like, um, I remember he was supposed to survive. So like I said, we were the 1% of the 1%. This does not happen often. So I don't want anyone to fear their pregnancy or fear that 20 week appointment, because this is not common and you are more than likely going to be okay. But that was very that, nice of you to think well, of other people starting that out. With that said, though, um, I, I would say my biggest piece of advice is that this is only temporary and it's going to suck for a while. If you're in a moment like this, I call them, you know, like the peaks and valleys. You've heard that song, mm-hmm. like you're a god of the peaks and valleys. And we're all going to experience the valleys of life. And those are like our dark moments. They're inevitable. Mm-hmm. Um, you've had yours with mm-hmm. your treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, mine, unfortunately, was the loss of my child. And we're all going to experience those at a certain point. But I think when you're in those moments, it's so hard to see the light and you just think you're going to be there forever and that you're never going to be happy again. Well, I'm here to tell you that that is not true. Mm -hmm. I am, you know, standing here a year after all of this happened to me and I'm as happy as I've ever been. I, I still mourn him and I still think about him all the time, but I'm not in that place anymore. And I think God Jesus um, is always leading us out of those valleys. He doesn't want us to live in the darkness. He wants us to live in the light. And it's like Psalm, is it Psalm 23, where it's um, like, though I walk through Mm -hmm. the valley of the shadow of death, I fear not for you're with me and your, your rod and your staff guide me and they comfort me. And and, and he's always leading us out of those moments. Just, we have to trust the journey and trust the process. But in the moment, it sucks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I doubted God quite a bit when I was in those moments. Like, where where are you? Where have you gone? Why have you abandoned me? And looking back, though, now, I, I feel like I understand more of why it, it had to happen. And yeah. But so, I will, too, speak to just yeah. as a person on the outside that you talked to a lot during this process, that you said so many times, like, I remember that one night, like, it was very early on. It was like so early on, like we were wearing gloves instead of masks, like for COVID. And I went to, uh, (laughs) we were all confused and discombobulated. (laughs) I went to Trader Joe's and I brought them groceries because that was, you know, part of the, the part of the pandemic where people were scared to get groceries. And like I said, Jade and Gav could not both be at the hospital at the same time. So one of them was at home. Restaurants are closed. Like it's like, I was like, what can I do for my sister? I would be there Uh with her at the hospital if it weren't for this stupid thing. Uh And what can I do? So I brought those, you know, groceries and I cooked meals and did all these dinky things that like the only things I could do. And I can remember you so many times like that first night just standing on the steps and being like, if he doesn't survive, like I will die. Yeah. And just thinking that and like I have not been in the low that you have losing a child. I think that's the lowest low. I think of all the lows. I feel like that would be the lowest. And I thought to myself, like, I understand that as a mother myself, like standing there, I, I was like, he's not going to die. I remember you saying that I, I, you had tears in your eyes and you had just set down that big old pot of pasta. <laughs> <laughs> you had a big, oh, you were 
Mallory was amazing during this. She cooked me a home cooked meal every single night Aww. that we were going through this. Um, Couldn't do anything. But I remember you set it down on my step and then you stepped back like six feet and <laughs> you were like, God, I ain't going to take that baby from you. Mm. And I was just like, I don't know. What if he does? I won't survive. I truly thought I was going to die of grief. Yeah. And I don't, I just couldn't see myself being happy again if if I were to lose this pregnancy, this, well, not pregnancy, this baby. He was born. Um, I thought my life would always be a little less bright. And I'm here to tell you now that that is not true. Um, it took some work and it took me getting a life coach who I want to, I want to get to that in a minute, but I can tell you, I am, I am just as happy, if not happier than I was before. I still miss him and I still think about him all the time, but I am as happy and healthy as I've ever been right now. So I guess my advice there for people in the, in the, in the thick of it is that you will feel joy again and you will laugh again and you're going to be okay. Yeah. I wish that somebody had told me that in those moments. Yeah. You're probably offering a lot of hope to a lot of people who are in the valley, whether it's this valley. I hope it's not this valley for anyone yeah. listening. But if, if it is or if it's just another valley that they're in, mm-hmm. I I think that mm-hmm. it is really powerful to hear somebody who's been on the, who's on the other side. And not only are you like, okay, like I made it through. And I'm on the other side and I'm alive. But you're like, my life is better. Oh, it's um, it's amazing. Because it's, I mean, if you walk into things like this and if you truly believe and have faith and, and say like, I'm, I'm going to do everything that I can to find the light again and you commit to, and you do. Yeah. I think life is so much richer on the other side. I know not from the same experiences as you, but yeah, I'm enduring Right. Oh, it is much richer. And you just appreciate things so much more than, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure I would have like been appreciative and think I would have thought every day was awesome with the new baby, but I don't know that it would have meant as much as it does now. Yeah. Now every single day feels like a miracle. Yes. And I say that being completely authentic, that is not an exaggeration. Every day feels like a miracle. So yeah, I mean, life is richer, but also, what I was going to mention before is that, you know, even after I lost him, I never let go of the belief and the hope that my baby was coming. Mm-hmm. It had been four grueling years, two years of infertility, one year of being pregnant, thir- uh, 34 days of, you know, back and forth, him living, going through surgery, everything else, losing him almost four years. And I still knew, I I knew I was meant to be a mother. And so I just wanted to say, I think that if you have a desire in your heart and a dream that just won't go away, I think that as far as I'm concerned, it's already yours. You just have to believe it. I knew I was meant to be a mother and I knew that my baby was coming. It just took a really long time, (laughs) but now he's here and he's perfect and he's everything that I've ever wanted. And I just think that you have to believe it. Those desires of your heart, yes, God you wants do. to grant them to you, Yes, whether it's a spouse or, a you know, a baby or whatever. Yeah. I, th- I don't think God gives you desires and dreams just to torture you. Yes. I think they're there for a reason. That is so beautifully said and well said and so true. I, I know because like I've seen it too and I 
I think that it's so powerful, though, coming from someone that's experienced something that you have Mm -hmm. and like so recent. It's not like you're 15 years down the road from this. Yeah. And I will also attest to, you know, you did go through ups and downs, but like even before you were pregnant with George, you still you still felt like this. You still you still really you had hope. And you didn't falter in that. There were times where you got mad of like, Mm -hmm. okay, you take this baby away from me. And then you're not even going to like grant me an adoptive baby. But now like. Oh, yeah. We applied for adoption too. Yeah. yeah. We we did a lot of things. um, And this was last fall. Um, But yeah, I mean, I just, I still really thought he was coming. And I remember actually last July I was in church. I don't know if I told you this story or not, but I did. Yeah. Mm Uh, there, I don't know if it's Ephesians. It was there was a scripture that day, and I remember um, the priest said, "I guarantee, or no, what was it? Um, at this time at next this year, time next year, you will be holding a baby son." And it spoke directly to my heart, and I was like, "That's it. God just told me that." I actually set an alarm in my phone for the following July. This was before I was pregnant with George, <laughs> but I said, it was like, I don't remember the day, but late July at this time next year, you will be holding a baby son. And sure enough, that was the month I had George. Yeah. The following year. Like randomly too, because you were randomly. supposed to be due like mid August and she went oh, to an appointment. And he was having these drops in heart rates and they were like, let's just take him. Yeah. Now. Like we can't take and any chances. And my alarm went off and, and he was there and George Ugh. was here and that was like my promise. So I knew he was coming and he now it just, it feels so amazing having him here. Yeah. And I like to, as, as your story is, I think something that's really powerful and something that people can take away from this is you took steps. You immediately actually took steps I did, and you reached out to the people who could be resources to you in moving toward the light. You had, you were at the very bottom of the barrel, the lowest of the low, that is rock bottom. And I think sometimes it's just one step and then one more step and then one more step. So talk a little bit about the steps that you took because they were really powerful in your journey. They were, um, honestly. So the hospital set me up with a grief counselor right away and I met with her a few times, no offense to counseling, but it was not what I needed. Mm -hmm. I knew I was sad. I knew that this was a terrible thing that happened to me, but I didn't need to sit around and talk about it. I wanted to take actionable steps to get myself to a better space. So enter Maureen Doyle. Um, Who was your teacher friend? She was my teacher friend at SBA for (laughs) Turned life coach. Oh my gosh. I love her so much. (laughs) I could go on and on. She's a life coach now. And is amazing at it. And she, so I reached out to her after all this happened. Um, I just said, Maureen, I feel like I don't know what to do. Um, I've come home. I have um, a C-section scar and (laughs) milk that is dripping through my shirt and Mm. a house full of baby stuff, but no baby. And I don't know what to do. Can you please help me to get back on my feet? And she was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I'm happy to. She helped me immensely um, from what do I do in the morning when I wake up? Uh, I was a teacher on um, summer break. So I had, you know, the privilege of having all this time in, in my ha- on my hands. Mm-hmm. And 
she would, we would just design my day, eight to 10 in the morning, get out and go into the sunlight and listen to a podcast and walk. 10 to 12, you're going to come home and you're going to uh, be sad for a little bit. You're going to do whatever you do when you're like, take a bath or uh, read a book, whatever you want to do. Yeah, she helped me with my eating. She helped me uh, with my mindset around all of this. We mm-hmm. still talked through a lot of the Blaze stuff, but it wasn't as um, intensive as like a therapy yeah. about it would be. And that, I didn't want that at the time. I yeah. wanted action steps. I wanted to get myself to a better place. And she was incredible just about helping me with every little thing detail of my life I'm actually still working with her today she's she really is and it was perfect for you I think that so many people think I've been through this thing this is the next step this is who's going to help me out Mm -hmm. of it but you really have to pay attention to your feelings because if if you would have just been placed with a grief counselor and it never made you feel better then that is not the answer for you I am big into therapy I think a lot of for me a therapist over a life coach every day. But like, mm-hmm. that's why you have to think like that, your life coach and your experience with Maureen and Maureen's a very special life coach, I will say she too. Uh-huh. We'll include, she's on Instagram and we'll include like her information in the, bi- in yeah. the bio if you're interested Maureen in looking Doyle her up. coaching on Instagram. Yeah. But she uh, was, was perfect for you. She and mm-hmm. I think that um, people need to see like what works for them and really right. think like, am I feeling better after I talk to this person or am I feeling yeah. worse I to be fair too I think there are a lot of amazing life coaches I've I've not really used life coaches um, I've, I've had a lot of amazing experience mm-hmm. in therapy mm-hmm. but I think that that's really a wonderful point yeah. and then you've said before too about like you know lowering lowering your expectations <laughs> for your life that yes. at first it sounds like morbid <laughs> and sad it does I but know. I, I think it's a great it's a shift but it is I mean it's just I know it sounds like the opposite of living fully but just lowering your expectations for really more so what you thought your life was going to be yeah. because you know we had such a peaceful upbringing mm-hmm. that our our window of tolerance for adversity was just so so narrow yes and we I I feel like I always expected to have this perfect family of four by the time I hit my mid-30s and I thought that everything was just going to be easy and here I am I turned 34 last year full disclosure I'm getting up there (laughs) but I just turned 34 and I just had my first baby and I plan to have more so you know it's just been quite a journey to even get to have one baby. And um, I think now I just, I realized that if you don't have expectations for how something's going to turn out, it's a lot more peaceful for you. If you can just like let go of the, let go go of like the, the way that you thought that things were going to be, because it just makes you sad. Yeah. And well, people and situations are going to disappoint you because that's just the the world we live in. We, we're not home yet. We're, this is not heaven. Yeah. This world was never meant to be perfect. It's, it's pretty perfect sometimes Mm -hmm. right now. I feel like I'm in heaven, but (laughs) um, I know that my life is not going to be perfect and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And just knowing that gives me so much peace. Yeah. Because if I have a bad day, that's okay. The next day will probably be really good. You know, it's funny because like at the end of this chapter, so this was the first chapter that I started writing when I was writing the book. And it was the week that you lost Blaze. And I wrote it so long. It was like four times longer than this. I wrote every single detail. 
Yeah. Oh everything. My gosh, it's so good. And at the oh, thanks. I well, can't wait for people. You know, to thank read you for it. letting me share your oh. story. <laughs> Gav and I both like we can barely read it. It's like ugly I can't cries either. every time, but it's it's so good. I mean, I've read it twice. I don't. Thanks. I got to take a little break because it, <laughs> it takes every bit of energy out of yeah. me to read it. It's so amazing. But like that line at the end where I wrote something like along the lines of, you know, things are different now. Like Jade lives more intentionally than mm-hmm. she used to. We all we all do. Yeah. And that line, I I said things are different now, and then I left that line open for like two years because or not two years. Like okay, he when did he pass away? Twenty twenty. So we're in twenty twenty two. So it's been, it's been almost, almost two years. Two years. Yeah. March. So 22. you know, I finished the book maybe like six months ago or whatever, and we printed that. And whenever I wrote in that line. I thought, because everybody always wonders, what's the reason? And this, I don't think there is, is even a reason that some people have to go through things like this. Yeah. But I do feel like it turned you into a different person. You were always, Jade has always been the kindest, sweetest, most like soft-hearted, oh. religious, <laughs> like faith-filled person. That has always prevailed. But like Thank you just you. said a while ago, we as kids did not experience much adversity and that is a privilege and like we are grateful that that is our reality and it's something that I'm really grateful for, especially as I do experience adversity in my life to think of having experienced that as a child or, you know, just having what I feel like is like a well to climb out of before you even can get on level ground where everybody else is living. Mm-hmm. And the way that you transformed your life into just this really deep, fulfilled place I think only came from adversity. Absolutely. Yeah. And people talk about this all the time. Like you have to go through the hard times to make it to your rainbow or whatever. But I mean, it really, it sounds so cliche, but it really is true. Yeah. Um, I feel bulletproof now. (laughs) I feel like a bomb could drop on my head and I could, God forbid, lose a family member. Like I could go through anything. I know that. And, and and still find the light again. Yeah. Because once you've been through the worst thing that can possibly happen to you, you you don't have to fear the inevitable hardship anymore. Yeah. Because but that, you survived it. And that's also something, though, that is a very amazing perspective that you bring to the table. Because I see a lot of people who similar things or things like this have happened. Mm-hmm. And they it's been the other way around for them. Yeah. And they think... I must keep myself behind this gate. I cannot even get out there anymore. I can't even like live my life anymore. I certainly can't try to have another baby. Like what if this happens again? Yeah. And they stay in that and they stay like pinned up in this fortress. I feel like of their own making and they dwell on it and they're angry with God. And we've certainly all been there in our lives and been like, why in the heck are you making me go through this? Like I'm a good person. I'm a faith filled person. I, I have endured, you know, whatever it is, I I think that your perspective is extremely inspiring. Thank you. And your perspective is profound two years post this happening. Thank you. And oh, I, I know I can remember people just being shocked that I even wanted to try to have another baby so yeah. soon, especially. And I was like, what? I mean, why, why wouldn't I? I want a family and, yeah. you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be okay no matter what. Even if this happens mm-hmm. again, I'm going to be okay. You know, I wrote the, so every 
chapter, especially chapters that are hard, like I wrote the piece at the end, kind of like with a lesson or like a takeaway from it. And it took me a long time to like land on what I wanted to write and what I could even write about the story. Because also like, I don't want to just take this, this terrible traumatic thing that happened to my sister and our family and like turn it into a teaching point. Like I don't want my book to ever feel like a teaching point. Yeah. But I wrote this part. This is uh, the very last, you know, three paragraphs of the book. And and I believe it like speaks to what we just talked about. So like I'll read this excerpt. I, I just read an excerpt of the book. And also because this is the only part that like I can read without crying. So this is the one that I'm going to choose to read today. <laughs> and then I'm going to ask you a few more questions. Okay. But so it says loving fully. We've all heard the saying, it's better to have loved and lost than to never to have loved at all. But do we live by that? Do we always take the risk that comes with loving with our whole, with our whole heart or do we protect ourselves just a little bit? Have you ever stood back and looked at how much of yourself you're keeping behind the fence or maybe even a cement wall for fear of being hurt? How much do we hold our hearts back from experiencing the full joy of another person for fear of loss or rejection? There's that fear again, the fear of pain, keeping us from accessing our fullest life. I know it may make you feel powerful to hold back in some ways. It may make you feel like you're protected or in control. But in all reality, it just makes each of your each of your days a little less vibrant, less meaningful, just less. You're meant to live life out there in the sunshine or in the rain, not inside of a fortress of your own making. Loving fully is fundamental to living fully, and it requires a certain amount of vulnerability and faith. And there are like three more paragraphs I was going to read, but I feel like you're mm-hmm. speaking to this much better than I am no. today. But I think that it's so, so true. And like rounding out that thought that uh, I just want to commend you on the perspective that you have, because just like your story is, I think that your perspective and your vibrance after something like this has happened is very rare. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's going to be very inspiring to a lot of people. It's very inspiring to me. Thank you. I think so many times like we avoid we avoid tiny adversity in our life like we do we just we don't want to touch that pain point like why open door number two i know what's behind door number one because like door number two i could experience yeah. pain i can't experience pain yeah but like every time we walk through it like when i was spent six months almost six <laughs> months in treatment when you like like all these things that we go through when we're on the other side of it we're always like oh my gosh this made me 10 times better. My life right. is so much better. I know. So like, why can't it's, we, as we're standing like in front of the, in you it. know, this road or this road, just face it. I know. Just, just walk right on through. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess it doesn't come naturally to humans to just want to walk right through that pain, but yeah, yeah, it, you're always going to make it out. Okay. On the <sighs> yeah. other side. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you got to do the work you do. <laughs> but, um, another question that I have is, how do you, and maybe you don't even feel like you, you were able to even live fully through that period of grief, but if you had to give advice to someone who's going through grief, like we've already talked about the first question that I asked was uh-huh. like, do you have advice to someone in the thick of it? Yeah. But to take that a step further, how do you, or do you feel like you can live fully through periods of grief? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Thanks. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> The biggest, well, you know this, the biggest thing for me was surrounding myself with people that made me laugh. Mm -hmm. And thank God for my brothers, because being around those two, it's like, 
medicine. They are so freaking funny. <laughs> so if you have yes, people in your life that are funny and lighthearted and just, you know, they can make you laugh. Not, not the people that are super like heavy, but the people that are make you laugh. Those are the people you want in your corner at those times. Yeah. And I just remember even the night he passed away, like Luke and Gabe, you know, in that waiting room, we were eating pizza and obviously it was horrific and I'm crying one minute, but the next minute I'm cracking up because Gabe's telling a story and like, it's just so funny. Like I still remember it too, because that was the only time that we could all come together when they knew he was, he was going to die. They called all of our family. So it was uh, Miss Debbie, who's Geff's mom. Oh God. She was so funny that day She was funny. (laughs) And then mom and dad. Me, Kyle, yeah. Gabe, Jess, Kaylee, Luke, you and Geff. Yeah. And we all went back and like we took our turns back there in the room mm-hmm. meeting him, saying goodbye all yeah, at the same time. It's just absolutely just awful. But yeah. and you tell some of those stories I think in the book mm-hmm. about like the cabbage that you brought to dry up my milk oh my and gosh. all that stuff. Yeah. But anyway And we just, laughed. Uh, we we did. did, we laughed. I, mean, I think some people feel like they'll never laugh again. Or, yeah. Or they feel like guilty for like feeling joy. uh, Yeah. And that is one thing. I don't ever feel guilty for anything. I take like three baths a day and don't feel guilty (laughs) about it because I love it. Um, But yeah, I mean, Gav and I would come home at night and we would turn on friends because it made us laugh and and we would just like kind of tune out and not talk about it and just like watch friends. And um, that's what we had to do to survive the moment. And you don't have to feel guilty about sometimes laughing or doing what you need to do if you if you need to uh drink a glass of wine to calm yourself down that <laughs> night you, you do Unless it you're me what yeah well except for you Oof, you are on another level of strength <laughs> but um yeah just doing what you need to do to survive the moment but the laughter for me it's just it's possible you just have to surround yourself with the right people yeah whether it's family or friends. great advice mm-hmm. whether you're going through something as horrendous as you went through and you know at a at a different level our family went through Mm -hmm. or whether it's just something that's like a moment of grief like why make it worse for yourself and I'm not saying be a Pollyanna like brushing everything out of the rug and just just act happy I'm certainly not saying that but like like Jade just if Jade can find moments of joy in such deep pain let that be an inspiration to you it is certainly one to me I'm learning a lot more from this podcast than I am <laughs> able you. to pull out of what we're talking about. Yeah. And uh, I appreciate that and just really admire that in you. Thank you. Um, well, it's definitely just just little moments of joy. Not a lot of joy during that time, but little moments here and there, just enough to get me through. And then coming out on the other side, you know, even like a few months later, I was able to feel way more consistent joy and being a lot more content with my life, even like maybe two months later, just doing the work yeah. uh, with a life coach and, and mm-hmm. doing things that were good for my body. What did you feel? Did you ever feel moments where you were like angry, like angry oh, that absolutely. this is your yes. story? And how do you get out of those types of yeah. moments? Because I think a lot of people get stuck there. I know. Yeah, um, I was angry actually for a long time. And honestly, 
what helped me a lot that summer was was podcasts. I listened to a lot of podcasts about people, people who had lost and people who um, had hard times. Gabby Bernstein, I know you love her. Oh, I, I love listened her. to She's her whole so book, special. Um, The Universe Has Your Back. She even called you and, and talked to you. She did yeah. on the phone and she talked to me through it and... Um, I did a lot of that kind of thing. It was just good for my soul to listen to people who had been through uh, similar, not saying Gab- Gabby had not at that time yeah. been through something like this. I think recently she went through mm-hmm. something like this, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I just tried to take all the wisdom from other people that I could, people that I knew, you know, had a good head on their shoulders. Yeah. And I'm just also not a very angry person at heart. Um I have a hard time actually getting mad at people and I wish I had a little bit more fire like my sister, but um, I'm just kind of too nice sometimes. Oh, I wish I had a lot more of you and me. Uh, I'm nice. We but would like make the perfect person if we just yes. combined all our strength. Very sweet and like uh-huh. soft and like very soft hearted. And I, yeah, I'm like, I have that quality about me too, but like not to yeah. the level that Jade, does. Jade, like whenever she was announcing our pregnancy, she was like, I just feel so bad announcing, even though it's like her miracle baby, rainbow baby, yeah. like the most amazing triumphant story. She was like, I just feel for all the people that are experiencing infertility or loss. Like I just, oh, it's going to yeah, hurt them when they, they see this. I know how I felt like, especially after I lost Blaze. So it was like infertility and then the loss of a child that like when I would see pregnancy announcements, it was like a freaking dagger to the heart mm. every single time. And I just knew how it felt and I didn't want to be the source of somebody else's pain. That is but, very, uh, um, that is just the, literally like what I would just, the only way to describe it is like, that is like the heart of Jesus. Well, you know, no, that's I'm really far from that. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. But, but, you know, something that I think I always like to leave people with like things that they Maybe they aren't experiencing a loss, but but we will certainly, in living the years that we'll spend on this earth, hopefully it's a lot of years, there will certainly be people um, in, our, in our lives that lose things. And what I'm curious, what did, because every, I think most people mean well, but there yeah. are things that people probably say that are helpful, and yeah. there are things that people probably say that are certainly not helpful. And I would like to know just as a person, and I'm sure listeners would want to know that, like, what were the things that people said that were helpful and what was not helpful? Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a great question too. Um, honestly, I, so I tried to not be offended by anything anybody said because, Everyone wants to help. And I'll tell you, a lot of people are going to say the wrong thing because they don't know what to say. And that's okay. Because honestly, you just have to keep in mind people's intentions and Mm -hmm. their heart. So I wouldn't get offended. But I I will say something that people said that was really helpful. Well, the the simple things is what I'm getting at. Um, Hi, Kyle. (laughs) (laughs) This is the reality of things. Kyle just walked into the room. We're recording right now. Thank you. I, I feel thought, like you should, he cut his beard today. Did you notice? <laughs> Thank you. That was very sweet. You just do this kind of thing for her all the time? He just yeah, brought her he roses. Does. He has a lot of time on his hands, Jade. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to bring him back. Thank okay. you. That was really sweet. That Anyways, was sweet. Kyle just brought we flowers into here. He's yeah. very sweet. I'm just joking about the time on his hands. Actually, yeah. that part is true, but it's very sweet. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, the simple things. Uh, I had a coworker at work um, who 
after we lost him, one of my, he's one of my male coworkers, but he just texted me, I love you, Jade. Aw. And oh, that sounds like kind of scandalous when I say it out loud. No, it was. <laughs> Everybody's so sensitive now that you think so. This, no, but, but like, just, that's like, it's really my friend sweet. Joseph, he just said, I love you. And that's all you have to say is like, I love you and I'm praying for you. Yeah. People will text you a long paragraph. I can't even imagine what you're going through. And like, it's nice, but you don't have to say all that. Yeah. And, and also it's more about what you do, I will say, yeah. as opposed to what you say out loud. Um, Actions, I think, are way louder. Um, like with you cooking me a home cooked meal almost every <laughs> night, that was huge. My mom would get on FaceTime and pray the rosary with me um, when he was in surgeries. Uh, my friends from high school actually created a, a video reel of all the like funny things we did and like telling Aww. stories, kind of reminiscing. And that was huge because it made me laugh when uh-huh. he was in surgery. So, more about what people did, but also keep it simple when you are trying to offer words of comfort yeah. all sometimes people need to know everybody is that you love them well and sometimes people maybe want to fix it mm-hmm. especially people that haven't been through it i yeah. think that would be hard because you probably want to be like you don't even know what you're talking about i know <laughs> <laughs> i know and they're just trying to help like you said what, what a beautiful thing to say that you try not to people we're in a world where everyone gets so offended and i feel like sometimes i, I feel like i have to walk on eggshells in the way that i yeah. say things and then i'm like no you know Heaven i my intentions are yeah. to share share this and and if I do say something wrong then I apologize for that of course like yeah but my intention was never to do that yeah and like you saying that is a great reminder that try you know try not to take things personal if people are people are just trying to help and they're trying to do the best I know that like I've been in situations where someone's been going through something and like sometimes I won't even send something because I'm afraid I'm going to say something right. wrong and it's so much worse to do that Right. And that's actually what I was getting at is that silence is probably the worst thing you can offer. Mm, Like not saying anything at all. Yeah. Because, well, I think that people just, if they don't know what to say and they feel uncomfortable and they don't want to use the, like the wrong word, I think that they just avoid it altogether. And that makes a person feel like, well, first of all, it makes you feel uncomfortable because like there's the elephant in the room. You just lost a child. Like, Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's on the forefront of your brain. You're like walking around with an open wound and not saying anything just makes it uncomfortable. And it makes um, it makes that person just feel like, I guess, you don't care, even though you probably do. It's just say something, say what you need to say, no matter what. And don't fear saying the wrong thing because you can't. There's nothing you can do to add to the pain that's already there. That's great advice. That's great advice. So I'd like to, to, we could go all day. It's it's been almost an hour. Oh gosh. Of amazing. (laughs) This is even 10 times better than I even expected it to be. I expected it to be great because I know the way that you are now is such an inspiration to me seeing it. And I was like, this is just going to be so amazing. Um, for people to hear and see because so many people that follow along with me followed along with your story and to hear such hope on the other side is just going to be such an inspiration. Uh, and I'm so proud of you for the way that you've come through this. And I'm so grateful. I know I'm the one that gets to like share a lot of messages and I have a podcast and I write a book, but you are 10 times more 
inspirational and motivational oh, and that's not true amazing. but thank you for it saying that you're just being humble <laughs> but it is that is how I feel it's very it's truly very I'm just glad I, I get the, the platform to be able to share his story thank well, God that's very sweet without you, you I would I would not be able to share his story well I'm sure this will not people. not be the last time once people hear this story mm-hmm. but what does living fully uh, look like for you on the other side? Now you're on the other side. So we've talked a lot yeah. about going through it. We've talked about what advice you would give. How do you live fully in the middle of it? Like how can people help? What are the good things they can say? The bad things that they, they not bad things, but the things that make it a little bit yeah. harder. But, but now that you're on the other side, thankfully, mm-hmm. Because I know there are some people listening to this that might not be there yet. And you've certainly given them a lot of hope, I hope. Mm-hmm. But what does living fully look like for you on the other side? What does it feel like and look like and sound like? Like what is what is that uh, on the other side of this terrible thing happening? Yeah. I just think it's being present in every moment. Um, and, like putting down your phone sometimes and just experiencing all of the good things that life has to offer. There's an Albert Einstein quote. It's actually my favorite quote. And oh, I can, Albert. I love Albert Einstein, <laughs> but I can actually relate it to. Didn't expect you to bring Albert into that the combo. with him sticking out his tongue and his hair sticking out. Like in, but he, he says there are two ways that people um, can live their life. And one is though nothing is a miracle. And the other is that everything is a miracle. And... I can truly say that I, we are living in the latter part of that quote. Every single day feels like a miracle and I do not take anything for granted anymore. I get up in the morning and I get to spend the day with my son and every day just feels like it's something that I've waited for for so long and it just feels like a gift. He is just, I might as well just stick a big old bow on his head because he's just (laughs) so, he is, he is my gift and, um, and It's also living fully is on the other side of it means knowing that, you know, I'm right now I'm I'm in a peak and I'm in a very wonderful time in my life, but hardships may come, you know, with children come surprises. So years down the road, we are going to experience more hardships, but I know that I'm equipped for those Mm -hmm. and that I'm bulletproof and that I will survive and I will always again and again and again choose joy and choose to live my life in um in a in a full way and um I just think that no matter what happens from this whole story no matter what happens I will always return to joy that is quite the that is quite the um way to look at life and the way to finish out this podcast like what I just there's nothing that I can say really to round that out because that was so perfectly said well yeah it's just it's freeing to not have to be afraid anymore of of bad thing I can hear uh George crying downstairs speaking of hard times (laughs) okay (laughs) speaking of hard times okay I'm gonna okay I'm gonna finish this out reading the very end of this chapter even though there's no way that I can say anything any better than you have, but I'm going to wrap, I'm going to wrap this podcast, this great podcast that you've done. And thank you so much for sharing your story, your lessons, it's been the honor of my life (laughs) and everything. That's just, you are above and beyond. And I'm not just saying that because you're my sister. Oh, thank you. So thank the same of you. Yes. Well, 
So this is this picks up where I had finished reading that first paragraph. Maybe you've experienced excruciating loss, whether it's in the form of divorce, job loss, or death, and you've decided you could never weather another storm like that. So you're going to retreat from the risk. It's too much to bear. So you're going to play it safe, lock up your broken heart so that it cannot shatter once and for all. If you could, though, just for a moment, set your logical protective mind aside and allow me to speak to you beneath that. You're not meant to play it safe. You're meant for more. And so you must decide, will you try again? Will you live, really live again outside the protection of the safe cocoon that you've built? It all starts by choosing to emerge and opening your heart just a little bit so love can do what love does. Giving love and being loved are worth it. If you have been through something that has changed you, I encourage you to find the beauty within those changes. I know it's hard to do this alone, and the good news is you don't have to. When we can't guide ourselves to strive beyond our current reality, there are people, stories, or hardships that can be an external lighthouse to our new destination. Blaze is my lighthouse, and I hope his story can be a bit of that for you as well. It's beautiful. <laughs> oh, you well, did such a perfect job on that. It's chapter. your story. I just regurgitated it. Oh, you did, <laughs> and got all the credit job. for it. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I am. I, I'm so glad to be able to share it from my perspective too. But gosh, you noticed so many things from that day that I would never have noticed. So I'm glad you shared it in the way you did, and um, I'm just thankful. Well, I'm very thankful for this conversation and t- that you um, allowed me to bring it to every single person that's listening today. Mm-hmm. Like I said in that last line, that is my lighthouse. It was a light that I r- wrote the whole book that I felt like he was very present. It was the beginning and the ending of the book. Mm-hmm. And I hope that it can be that for people that feel like they're in the valley right now. So thank you so much for sharing your story. Oh, you are so welcome. And Jade is on Instagram. If you want to follow Jade, she's finally made her profile public. <laughs> and I'm trying to get her to do more with it. But Jade is just Jade. And she's just time, enjoying. I don't even know where my phone is. <laughs> <laughs> she's lost her phone at least six times in the last two months. She left it at Opryland for like two days before she realized she drops it in toilets. Like <laughs> she's probably not going to post a lot. But you should follow Jade just because Jade is wonderful. And if she ever does decide might, to do something. I might start posting some more. I've been having a lot of fun with Whole30 uh, postings my recipe. So. <laughs> okay, good. That's a start. Okay, well, okay. Uh, what's your Instagram? At J-E-R-V-I-N. Oh, it's like from high school. It's like J-Irvin2006. That's the year I graduated. <laughs> so J-E-R-V-I-N2006. I think that's it. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. You've brought a lot more to this podcast than an updated Instagram handle. So... Uh, Thanks so much, Jade, for sharing your story. And thank thank you you. to everyone that listened. I'll put a link in the bio where you can pre-order the book. And I'll put Jade's Instagram. And I'll put Maureen's um, Instagram. And all of the information that we talked about today, I will leave that in the bio. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for joining us on Living Fully with Mallory Irvin. And remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single minute of encouragement and inspiration to live your best life. Want more? Join us on MalloryIrvin.com so we can connect with you on Instagram and YouTube. Start living your life now. You've only got one. We'll see you next time.